Welcome into today's episode. I'm so glad that you are here. Our good friend and co-host Allison Sullivan is feeling under the weather after her birthday week, so she will be here next week. So last minute, Father Anthony Sharapa is filling in for uh, to co-host today's show, and our guest is actually a former co-host, uh, filling co-host from this past summer, Edmund Mitchell, to talk about his new project that just launched and is really, really exciting. Uh, so stick around for that. Uh, if you enjoy today's show, make sure that you hit the subscribe button, whether you're listening on podcast or you are watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button on YouTube, hit that bell on podcast, leave a review. Those things really do help us. Whatever you can do to help this show grow. If you like it, then, then help us do that. Share it with somebody, do the subscribing, do the sharing, all that stuff really matters uh for those of you guys not yet subscribed on youtube not only do we have the full length episodes of the show that you are listening to but we also have um all kinds of other stuff going on we've done our, our um a catholic perspective series about like pop culture and catholicism and on the podcast the last couple of weeks we were we, it just kind of happened to be a thing talking about engagements and marriage and all those sorts of things well in response to that uh, my wife and I realized that we never really showed our proposal video to anybody but like our wedding parties. Like my parents hadn't even seen it until last week. My wife and I sat down and watched um, our proposal video when I uh, surprised her and proposed to her. And she, uh, thank God, said yes. Uh, her and I reacted to that. Uh, so if you're not subscribed yet on YouTube.com slash Forte Catholic, please do so. Enjoy today's show. You rock. Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll, and that is Father Anthony Scaramucci Sharapa. Hello, Father Anthony. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you, Taylor? Uh, I'm angry today. Oh, good. That yeah. make for a great show. <laughs> I'm angry about a couple of things today. Uh, one of which we like kind of texted about. The other of which we we haven't. And this has been a whole saga. Like I've brought in like all the stuff we're going to talk about in this first segment. I like. I accidentally did something that I hate. Are you ready for this? Yeah, hit me. Uh, the discourse. Explain Explain to the good people who don't live on Twitter or Facebook, what, what is the discourse? Okay, so Twitter is a very silly website. It should be only used for silly things. But once in a while, someone posts a thing, and people think that their opinions matter, and they will argue quite passionately on the Twitter. No one is listening to each other. Everyone's misinterpreting each other, and everyone's very cranky. That's what we call the discourse. And you know my feelings on the discourse, yes? Yes, you are anti-discourse because you're normal. Very anti-discourse. I stay away from it. I mute. I block. Like, I don't do the discourse. Everybody's like, oh, what are we angry about today? And I'm like, usually nothing. Like, my life is great. Like, (laughs) I just mute and block people I don't like. Yeah. And then Twitter's lovely because it's silly and funny and jokes, and those are the kinds of things that I like. You want to know what I did, Father Anthony Sharapa? You started a discourse, didn't you? Completely by accident, I started a discourse. The day's discourse all revolved around the tweet that I sent <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. And like every joke does have some some truth to it, right? But it was sure. definitely like a joke thing. And the discourse started, and everybody's yelling that you know we shouldn't have permanent deacons, or we should have permanent deacons, and religious life is better than the priesthood. Like, no, priesthood's better than religious life. I'm like, oh, this is all I tweeted. 
All I tweeted was, it's very confusing that seminarians wear collars. Like, yeah. You, you should be an ordained person if you're wearing a collar. <laughs> That's my feeling on the matter. Sure. But all I said was it was confusing. Like, no other, like, this is the show. This is where we talk about things and, like, expound, expound upon things. Yeah. On Twitter, it was just like, hey, this is weird. And everybody's yelling at me like, how dare you just ask them? I'm like, I shouldn't have to ask them. Like, if you're in a fireman's uniform and there's a fire, I'm going to ask you to help. And then I asked some random 22-year-old to help. Like, hey, you know, we need last rites. And he's like, sorry, I'm just a seminarian. It's confusing. Yeah, that's very fair. It's very confusing. It's, it's a difficult time. So usually it depends on the seminary. Everyone has different policies. But at a certain point in your seminary formation, you become technically a cleric even before you're ordained a deacon. So once you're technically a cleric, you're technically allowed to wear clerics. Now, some seminaries will make you wear clerics to class and stuff even before then. And I think it's a way to get people used to being a public person, uh, being aware that you can't be a jerk while you're wearing your collar. Right. Some people don't get that lesson. But anyway, that's the idea. Um, the, the, the fake priests make the real priests look bad. Like, yes. like y'all need any help. <laughs> exactly. So it's a, it's a big mess. Uh, it's an awkward time for a seminarian. Uh, it's, you know, when you first put on the collar, first wear it, it's kind of cool and scary because you're like, oh, my goodness, this is real. But, yeah, it's totally confusing to people, especially because it's not like there's a million seminarians running around. So when you see anybody in the collar, you just assume they're a priest. And when they're yeah. not, it's a little bit awkward. So, yeah, I totally get that. That's and, and, it's weird. And that, that should be a safe assumption. Like, if you're yeah. dressed the part, you should be the part, you know? Exactly. Uh, like... So one thing that I did learn through all of this discourse that like I spent half my day muting my own thread like they all leave yeah. me alone like you know yeah. oh. <laughs> it, it it would like branch out you know and like mm -hmm. oh I like this branch I'll keep I'll keep talking in this branch these are my friends yeah. and all these people who don't know me started yelling and like or, or, or whatever but like I did learn something new I thought because of video games and card games and these I I just assumed that you were a cleric when you got ordained so either priesthood uh, deacon, those sort of things. So I did learn that there is, like, the clerical state does not equal, like, the ordained state. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like a canon law thing. Once you become a cleric, you have certain uh, privileges, like the church has to take care of you, uh, but you also have to, you have more responsibilities um, to the church as well. So it's a, it's a thing. It's, it's so, like, that's why, you know, when someone's removed from the clerical state because they were a bad priest, they're still a priest, but the church doesn't have to house them, feed them. They're on their own. Um, so that's that's just a, a, a law thing, not like a sacramental thing. I wash my hands of you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Go find uh, your own house. Yeah, you did exactly. a bad thing. Go away. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, but it, it got, like, it, was, it all started this joke. Everybody started yelling about, like, oh, like... There's, there's one of the things that that kind of frustrated me throughout the whole thing is that every like there were people yelling at me like, no, only deacons wear deacons and priests wear collars, and I'm like, that's simply not my experience. But there are some dioceses in America that that is their practice. I learned all this from people yelling at me on the Twitter. Yes. There are other dioceses that the day they enter seminary, you know, you're 18 and just finished, you know, calculus one and you've got a collar on, you know, yeah. which is, I not think, good. the worst scenario. It's right? Not good. Not good. There, there are other people like my friends who DM'd me thinking that I was subtweeting them. And I was uh, because it was like the back <laughs> to school thing and everybody's yeah. wearing these collars. And I was like, 
you're you're 23 years old and you're a seminarian. Like you, like it's just really weird to me. It's not what I would do if I was a bishop. But that we've talked many times. I'm not a bishop and have no, no desire to be. But I do like to complain about things and make it somewhat entertaining. So welcome into Forte Catholic. Um, but so people were arguing about that. But there were so I learned the cleric thing. I was yeah. frustrated about the deacon thing. Like I didn't even know there were people alive. Like. Catholics who were like the diaconate is stupid and we shouldn't have it. It's a newfangled tradition. I'm like, no, it's not. Like Stephen was the first martyr and he was a de- like yeah deacons because <laughs> deacons are actually older than priests. Like you had bishops and then you had deacons and then later on came priests. There have always been deacons in the Catholic Church. It's necessary for the hierarchy. Now for a long time there weren't really permanent deacons. For a long time it was just a step on the way to priesthood. What happened after the Vatican Council was that we've kind of reintroduced a an idea of a permanent diaconate. So, I mean, it is, I mean, kind of new, uh, at least for us. So I think a lot of dioceses are still trying to figure out what to do and how to handle it. Like some dioceses, they don't let deacons wear clerics. Even though deacons are clerics, they're not allowed to wear clerics. So right. it's like these poor guys who just want to help out the church are like, but but we're clerics too. Please right. stop being mean to us. <laughs> and they're like, no, we'll be mean to you forever. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Yeah. So all that stuff was getting brought up in this thing. It just blew up my phone all day, uh, which cool. Engagement for me. Yay. Well, yeah. Is the <laughs> Thanks, <plus> algorithm. <laughs> you know, everybody yelling at me helps me somehow. Thanks, mm-hmm. Twitter algorithm. So um, here's my, pr- this. by the way, this is only problem one of three that I have in this vein coming from this thread and social media. This okay. is only problem one. We're yeah. still stuck in problem one. Here's my proposal to fix problem one. If I if I am, the bishops all bring me in for their next uh, America Synod, I'd be like, hey, I know y'all have like r- a ton of real problems, but can we fix this joke tweet that everybody was yelling about? Here, here, <laughs> here's what I want. Because that was another thing that people brought up. They were like, oh, but you're fine with deacons doing it? Like, isn't that still confusing? Yes. Yes, it is still confusing. It's still confusing. Like, you walk up to a deacon, like, hey, can you hear my confession? And all of them, oh, I could hear it, but I couldn't do anything. Like, shut up. Stop wearing that. So uh, here's here's my proposal. And this was, like, this became a national thing. Uh, I I heard, like, best practices from across America that I would like to make a USCCB thing. Say, bishops, you don't have your, you can, you can be responsible for all of our souls, but you don't get responsible for this because you've had, you were responsible for this and you screwed it up and it's confusing. (laughs) So here's, here's my proposal. No seminarians get to wear it. None. No seminarians get to wear the cleric. Deacons. No, 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 I I lied. I lied. I lied. I lied. No seminarians in like pre-theology. If you're like, if you're like, some dioceses do it differently, but like, uh, if you're like in your last two or three years, there there is something special, and like like you said, being ready to wear the cleric and starting to wear the cleric, you can wear the clerics. It just has to be a different color. So like uh, we were kind of joking, like you know, oh make it pink or make it rose, which is what y'all <laughs> call your pink on Valentine's Sunday, you know. But like make it make it somewhat. I I don't care what it is. It just has to be visibly different. Visibly okay. different. So Taylor, as a layperson who's been in the church his entire life, is confused <laughs> when he goes to church. Uh, 
Deacons. I heard that this is a real thing in the Diocese of St. Louis from, from a religious sister who's a friend of mine who got – she was like, Taylor, did you start this discourse? I'm like, sister, I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> um, their deacons wear gray clerics. So they wear yeah. the – the it's the white – still the white collar, but yeah. they wear gray clerics. So you know in that diocese they're gray. And, like, everybody there thinks they're all gray. So, like, then they leave their diocese and they think everybody wearing the black ones are – priests or and they might be priests or deacons or seminary it's confusing for everybody yeah and then obviously the priests can wear the primary thing deacons wear something to differentiate them you know maybe the gray anything to differentiate no baby seminarians get it they can't be representing priests at 18 years old or 20 <laughs> right when they start they gotta go through some for, sort of formation and then like those last couple of years of formation they can wear a, a black collar or gray collar or something to differentiate that's my proposal. What say you? I mean, it's fine. I, I'm not as fired up about this as you are, but let me tell you what I had to wear as a college seminarian. You had to wear a shirt and tie, and we had this blue blazer with a little patch on it. It looked like we were part of some private Star school. Trek. Oh. It was, it was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I pictured exactly Star Trek. <laughs> and uh, so we had the Diocese of Pittsburgh uh, crest on there, which is like a little sword. And people would be so confused because the bishop would – we would follow the bishop around to all these events. And we would walk in there, blazer and tie. And uh, one person asked, um, are you guys part of a fencing club because of the sword? I'm like, yes, we are a fencing club, and we uh, protect the bishop with our swords that we don't have. What's wrong with you? Why would you guess that? It's stupid. And <laughs> That's we hated offensive. <laughs> we hated the blazer and tie. It looks so dumb. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think college or prefe should wear clerics. That's, that's too much. You got like guys discern. You can't really discern when you're already wearing the uniform. Um, <laughs> and then later on wearing clerics. Cool. I think uh, one day in seven years, I'll be a fighter fighter. And until then I'm going to run into houses on fire with all these firefighters. Exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I kind of like the gray clerics for deacons. It's like, it, it's a uniform. It works. Uh, I think they do that in Washington, D.C., and it just made sense. So it's not a bad proposal. Um, doesn't matter because nobody will follow it, but good idea. All right. The next thing, I, I th I'm glad we can somewhat agree. Um, the next thing that, I, Anthony, I have never heard this in my entire life. And there were so many people. There was the original tweet and then so many people that agreed. And I'm just like, this is getting out of hand. Like, it's yeah. unbelievable. There were people saying that religious life like a religious order is more important than the priesthood and this is somebody the person that was tweeting this is somebody who is a religious priest so they're in an order and he was saying that like uh you know religious life is the is the he, he worded it better than me so but whatever it's like the religious life is the fulfillment of our baptismal promises we are living out fully our baptismal promises so that state is higher than the priesthood and so many lay people, religious people, everybody is agreeing with them. And I'm just like, you're all crazy. You're you're all insane. Um, I, I like I I love religious life. They're amazing. I talked to my religious sister friend who saw the discourse. We had lunch together like four or five days later, and I went through all this stuff with her. Yeah. And asked, I was like, Am I crazy? Because I feel crazy. Um, Jesus, as cool as religious orders are, Jesus didn't institute them. He instituted the sacraments, one of which is the priesthood. Like, those, I think those take the top seven and everything else falls under that. Have you heard this absurdity and am I crazy? You are, I mean, okay, this is complicated because where you're coming from, you're not crazy, but you are wrong. 
this isn't like a, this is something that's been known in the church for a very long time that religious life is the highest state of life. Now, before you freak out, it's not as big a deal as people make it out to be. It's not like if you are religious, you're automatically holier than somebody with a family. That's not how it works at all. It's a distinction that doesn't really affect our lives that much, in my opinion. So basically, it's not that religious people live out their baptismal promises better, because there's plenty of religious who don't. It's that their life more closely imitates the life of Christ because of pov- because they radically live out poverty, chastity, and obedience. Um, if you were a married person and you were living out poverty, chastity, and obedience in the same way that a religious person was, you'd be a terrible parent and you'd probably go to hell because you would <laughs> like, okay, so it's not like, it's not like you're automatically holier. It's just a distinction, which is, you know, mildly important that like okay we acknowledge that this is a higher form of life in the sense that it more closely literally you know imitates christ so that's why they have those distinctions and people freak out about it all the time and it's stupid i don't even know why we talk about it i'm freaking out about it because i hate it it goes against every other theology thing that i've ever learned like how how can they imitate Jesus more when you're the only ones that can literally be in Persona Christi? It drives right. me insane. But, like, you know, Jesus didn't, like, uh, have a fancy gaming computer with his own money. <laughs> like, he'd, um, you know, it's it's just, it's, like I said, it's not that big a deal, in my opinion, of a distinction. But it is something different. Like, if you run off, like, St. Francis, then you are more closely living the life that Jesus did. Uh, but that doesn't mean you're holier. It doesn't mean you're, I mean, Francis is holier than all of us, but that's beside the point. It doesn't mean that you're better. It doesn't mean you get a higher place in heaven. It's just, it's, but people make a big deal because we freak out about like, are you better than me? Am I better than you? Which Jesus literally says is a stupid thing that you shouldn't do. The one who is the highest is the one who takes the lowest place. The one who is the most meek and humble. And uh, another way to look at it, and this is another kind of thing, uh, the weakest people become religious. I mean that by, like, the only way that they can live out their baptismal promises is by putting up all these safeguards that they cannot be tempted by goods because they don't own anything. They cannot be uh, tempted uh, through their own willpower because they promise obedience. There are more safeguards for religious life than there are for a married person. It's more complicated for a married person to live out their baptismal promises. It's actually kind of easier for a religious person. Any seasoned religious person will tell you that. It's true. So there's different ways to look at it. It's just not that big a deal. It doesn't mean you're better. So calm down. Uh, there's no need for married people or priests to get offended. Um, it's it's just kind of this small T tradition that's been around in the church for a very, 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 very long time. Uh, so, yeah. Small T traditions can change, and I would like to be that change. <laughs> I like I I guess I, I again I guess I'm wrong I just don't like it uh like I, I just I just don't like it I just don't like it uh, that's like, okay you're allowed you, not to like it and be you, wrong you, but like where you're coming from is right like the idea that this like like you, you are a priest forever is sister a sister forever is brother so and so a brother forever in heaven like you get the indelible mark they yeah don't. and also also like would you rather be a priest or religious tailor. 
I, I would 100% like if I was going to be a priest, like this is one of the arguments is like it, it came into obedience and stuff. People are like, you enter the order and then they decide if you get to be a priest. It's like, yeah, I, like I like I know that people discern it like for me, like when I was discerning, it was priest or marriage or nothing. Like I, yeah. I was not going to I'm not going to go and do the brother thing and not be a priest. I sure. like that can work for other people. That just wasn't for me. Yeah. So my point is that like. If religious people weren't around and people weren't around saying that the religious life is the highest state of life, I don't care because I don't want to be religious. So, like, okay, they can be the highest I state of life. I like to being make a priest. Feel better. <laughs> maybe it's that. It's like, who cares? Like, if you're happy with your state of life, you've been given these gifts to live out your life in this way. You can get to heaven just as much as any pope can. Uh, who cares? I don't care. You did make me feel really good saying that Friar Nick is weak. You did make me really feel he really, is. really good. Yeah. Really he lives the highest form of life because he's the weakest. <laughs> uh, do we have time for this last one? Not really, but we're going to we're going to rush through it. We're we're going to we're going to try to get this done. Okay. Last thing that I'm angry about, it wasn't the thread, but it was in the same vein of things. Um and I talked to you about this and I know we disagree and I'm I'm fired up about this one. Um one of my friends who has a large social media following, like double what I have, uh, has been speaking and right doing things. I don't want to give too much away because I don't want to say who it is, but they're entering the seminary. And I've heard of like, oh, you take a year off of social media, your first year of seminary or during your spiritual year or something, you know, take a year off or whatever. They, they told him if, if he, to, in order to enter diocesan priesthood, uh, into diocesan seminary, he has to not post on social media until he gets ordained or leaves the seminary. And this is not a diocesan policy. Everybody else coming in with him gets to be on social media, mm. but they are just singling him out. And it, 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 to me, it just seems like a huge abuse of power. The power of, hey, you want to be a priest, that's a great thing. But to do that, you have to delete all this stuff. Uh, I, I have thoughts on it, but I just want to kind of present it to you. Okay, I didn't realize that this was it, it wasn't a policy thing. It was a single this guy thing. Um, as a policy, I I am for seminarians not being on social media. And I'll give you the perfect example. I wasn't on social media my entire time, eight years in seminary, and I'm basically the perfect priest. So oh, if it worked for me. Oh, it'll you work just for lost else. the argument. <laughs> no, but seriously, I think it's important for guys to take a step back from their previous life to really focus on themselves. There needs to be a lot of internal formation because being a priest is a weird job. And if you don't get your stuff together, you're going to hurt people. So I think that's a good idea. I think it's important that um, I can understand if someone had a big social media following, you know, maybe a spiritual director would counsel them to die to that. You know, I can understand that. Does the diocese have a right to put those conditions on the guy? I think so. But it does seem weird to me. I think there's a better way to do that um okay i can see some of the reasoning but yeah singling out one guy that that does strike me as a little bit icky um it, 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 i can't tell you how angry it made me the other yeah. stuff i was like kind of jokingly angry about like i'm not actually yeah. angry about you know seminarians yeah. wearing collars or whatever it's just annoying yeah. like this like really frustrated Re like i was like fuming as we were dming back and forth texting back and forth um it just seems so overbearing and controlling and to single him out like to me like I, I used to manage people and like social media was part of it. And we never told anybody to like, granted, I, what I was what I was doing was not forming people right. to become a priest. It's not the same, but there's some similarities of like 
like there's some formation needed there, right? Like I think sure. a lot of people need social media formation, you included. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but like I uh, got the formation, I just ignore it. It's <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so like even that being said, like there, there's there's a point where so- social media is part like everybody entering seminary now is a millennial-ish or younger, right? I mean, like, this is part of our lives. It's part of who we are. It's part of everyone's life, that almost everybody's life that, that you're going to be in, in, engaging with as a prisoner. I think, like, smart social media, how to be holy on social media, how to use social media for evangelization, like, that kind of training is a good thing. And completely sure, pulling Sure, sure, but Taylor, off, Taylor, let's be honest. Who's going to train these guys? It's not going to be any of their sixty-year-old form haters. I, I volunteer as tribute. Like we've we've joked yeah. so many times. You, the, the only time I've ever made it onto you got onto your clerical, clerically speaking, the only tweet that I ever said was I, I forget what it was, but it was like, can Taylor just go in and teach the priest how to be a human being? Like yeah, I forget yeah, yeah, what yeah. the specific was. Yeah, but it's just like, but but even I, I'm even talking on like a, a spiritual direction thing. And I brought this up on on social media, and and uh, priests were like. Oh, there's no kind of oversight, and you, we can't do all that. It's so busy. I'm like, I, I get that, that. I get that. That's a reality that sucks, right? At the same time, like to me, it's like half of me sees that as a huge excuse. If you're not able to form these guys, like something needs to change. Something has to change, right? The other half of me does understand we're in a priest shortage and the and those sorts of things, right? But yeah. like. The, he, just the fact that they told him that he has to give it up for six, seven, eight years, whatever it is, and instead of, hey, you're young, you have this big following, can we use this somehow? Or even if you're super attached, if he's super attached to it, make him yeah. take a year off or whatever. Sure. Like, that's yeah. healthy. But at the same time, it's like, uh, how how can we use this? And can we do some coaching to where like, hey, if yeah. you're addicted to this, set limits on your phone. And then if that doesn't work for a year, then tell them to get off of it for six months or a year or whatever. But it just seems so dictatorish and not like a loving father, which is what the church is and these formators are supposed to be. Yeah, I actually, I actually, knowing the context, I do agree with you. And not to not to be a huge bummer, but uh, welcome to seminary. It's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of good things in seminary, and uh, but also this he's kind of been thrown into the fire that your vocation is in the hands of another human being, and that's one of the most difficult parts of seminary. So, uh, uh, I'm not saying you're wrong, I'm saying this is how it is. I don't think yeah. it's good either, I think so, it's bad, but it's it's how it is. Um, so I'll pray for your buddy, um, because. There's so many. There's so much. Paul. Oh my gosh, we could have a whole other segment about things I don't like about seminary. We're but, about to uh, do yeah. twice as long of a segment that we normally yeah. do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it that's a mess. That's that. Yeah. That strikes me as icky. It was frustrating. So all all of this being said, right? Ta- the, the Taylor's frustrated to start off the show segment. Um, mm-hmm. All of it being said, it like one of the things that I did come away with was like that there is beauty in different people's um uh vocations and their vocational call and how we are like for most of us now now can there be a mistake sure but for most people most good catholic people you're like it, it this whole conversation just proved to me that i was mm-hmm. built for marriage right <laughs> that, that, um, yeah sure like because like like the, with the obedience with him and like the obedience like we talked about earlier like oh you become a brother first and then maybe we'll let you be a priest like i don't have that kind of obedience in me i just don't like like with marriage 
uh, my relationship with my life, my wife is not the same as like this guy's re- relationship with his formator at the diocese, right? Where he's just like, hey, I, I don't think I don't I don't agree with your with your thing. Well, too bad. Do it or you're not going to be a priest or go somewhere else. Like that's exactly that. Yeah. I can't I can't deal with that. I want to punch the guy. Uh, but like with my wife, like we we we've been married for almost a decade. Like we can disagree. And for like, we don't fight that much. Like we are able to, we can come in with very different views, but we right. leave united, and we can say like, you know, give, take here, and have a conversation, and then move forward with that. And it's not somebody else completely in charge of my life, which is like what the people joke about that with marriage all the time. Like that's not yeah. how good marriages no. are. It's not how my marriage is. It's like we're able to have these conversations and like disagree, but then come out with the same. And healthy obedience in the church should be more like what you just described. But oftentimes it's not, and that's a cross that we have to carry sometimes. Yeah. So for me, I think the thing for me is, like, I I do, I know that I struggle with obedience, which is why all this stuff triggered me. So I think for me it was a challenge to be, like, more obedient to God, which I, you know, could be doing more of uh, uh, for sure. Um, But also just, like, I just wanted to share about it because, one, like, one, it was funny. One, yeah. uh, there's two, like it was, it was frustrating. And I wanted to share these things that frustrated me. And then three, like, I don't think a lot of people know that this stuff is going on and like what seminarians have to go through and all this kind of stuff. So I just kind of wanted to bring light to the whole thing and rant about it and get it off my chest. And I hope that you guys enjoyed me yelling. Usually you do. all right well um we're gonna take a break um i'm gonna come back with edmund mitchell recorded this earlier uh talking about his new project and then you and i will will uh reunite for the final yeah i don't like edmund so i'm gonna skip this next segment (laughs) is that okay okay. well that would have been a funnier joke if i didn't say that we there was a reason for it whatever Uh, we'll be right back don't go anywhere Today I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, uh, our friends over at Notre Dame and the Grotto Network. The, the Grotto Network is a platform that shares stories to inspire our generation of Catholics, whether you're a fallen away or a daily mass goer. I've been a big fan of their social media stuff. Uh, th- they're great. I'm loving what they're doing, and I'm happy to share this with you guys today. They also provide content that will help you navigate all of our crazy lives with everything from advice on finding an apartment to dealing with toxic friends, other ideas... Other, uh, they said other ideas to switch it up. That was a note for me, so I'm just going to tell you some of these. Um, they've got they've got mental health. They've got dealing with infertility. Like it's great, especially for people uh, uh, my age, like young adults, uh, you know, 20s to 40s, those sorts of things. Um, you'll really find something there. Their Instagram account is where I really connect with them. Content stream of inspiration, videos, articles, poems, and playlists. So follow the Grotto Network today on Instagram at Grotto, G-R-O-T-T-O Network, and share it with your friends. Do it! Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll, and welcome back to Edmund Mitchell. He was our—he's been a guest multiple times on the show. He was our—he was our summer co-host, filling in for John, and now he is back as a guest. This man just wants to have all of the roles here on Forte yeah. Catholic. He'll be my janitor next week here in the studio, <laughs> just 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 doing it all. But uh, Edmund has a new project, and we wanted to talk about it. So first of all, welcome back, Edmund. Oh, it's so great to be here, Taylor. Always a pleasure. I like your new backdrop. You, you, I, I asked you about it, and for those of you watching on YouTube, it looks like an egg is is like a dinosaur egg is uh, hatching behind you. Yeah, I was going through some stuff, you know, and in a weekend, I grabbed a bunch of uh, you know, like spray paint and just kind of you know did my version of graffiti on a big on a big uh, easel there. So you know, it's kind of art therapy. 
for me, it's like, you know, like the abstract artwork can be whatever you want. For me, it's like a dinosaur egg that's cracking on the side of a road where, where the paved road is for some reason turning into a blue and green road. Yep. Uh, I, I just want to know what dinosaur is about to hatch out of it. That's why you're well, it's, a, it's a little bit of a Rorschach test in that it just says more about the viewer than does the painting. So whatever you see, I mean, this means that you probably have a deep seated fear of dinosaurs. I think I am a dinosaur. I've gotten there. You old. go. I think that's, that's it. Thing. We need an ancestry and me dot you know, something <laughs> to figure out who your paternal dinosaur parents are. Yeah, that's what we're here to promote today. So no, uh, you have a new project that you told me about months ago, and I kept it a secret because I'm you a did. good you were person. You're so good. You're so good. I was under like an NDA for like a year and a half, and I couldn't talk to anybody about it. Or if I did talk to people about it, I had to threaten them in in danger of their life if they shared anything about it. So it's nice to finally be able to talk about it to the world. Did you break the NDA by talking to me? I don't think so. I don't think you were a direct competitor, and I don't think I was sharing anything. Like you were, you're pretty good about it. I mean, I just, I would consider you friends and family or something, you know, it was pretty secret. It was top secret the way I shared it with you. That's good. I, I just thought it'd be really funny to be here promoting the thing, but also getting you in trouble for promoting the thing at the same yeah, time. A lawsuit. Would be a lot That's going to happen. Yeah. There's a lawsuit. So uh, go watch it while you can. <laughs> so the project is, uh, is, is going to send you to jail, but also, and, and it's not the dinosaur on the side of the road. So tell us about this project that just launched uh, a few days ago. Yeah, the project's real and true. Uh, you can go to realtrue.org to see all the videos and content. Um, it, a few a few years back, Edmundo Reyes from the Archdiocese of Detroit and Emily you, but Mentoc, Hispanic, you got it. Yep, the brown Edmund. He and then Emily Mentok. Uh, we all met up at a Catholic Creatives Conference Summit, a Catholic Creative Summit, and we had tried working together for a while, just on and off on little projects and things. And then, and then um, about a year and a half ago, Edmundo said, I have this idea for a project, uh, animated videos about the faith. And I'm thinking about doing it about the catechism. And I know you're really passionate about the catechism. Would you consider joining our team? And it was Edmundo, Emily, and myself who kind of partnered up to pitch this idea. And we ended up pitching it to our Sunday visitor, a multi-year project, multiple videos, unlocking the catechism uh, for the internet in a way that maybe it hadn't been done before. So um, we got funded by OSV. And so through their generous support, it's free to the world. Uh, it's translated into Spanish, French, Portuguese, and we're making these short animated and YouTube style live action videos to unlock the catechism for the world. So that's kind of the gist of the project right now. We just launched our first unit. So there's four videos in each unit and yeah, it's, it's, really exciting it's exciting to get it out there and have people respond and react to it and share it uh with parishes or friends and family members so that's been really cool yeah it's been exciting to watch and like because i knew that it was happening i was like what is this real and true that keeps following me on, on all my social media stuff <laughs> so like on youtube i think i was the second subscriber on tiktok i was your first subscriber like first oh, follower nice. on tiktok tiktok which was cool what an um, influencer I, I know. I mean, every, essentially every follower you get now on TikTok is because of me. So exactly. I, I just want you to know that. Um, I'll send a I'll send an invoice in the mail to OSB yeah. here pretty soon. An influencer invoice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just out of the blue, just don't tell them anything. They're like you know what this is for? One million dollars. You know. Yeah. Uh, uh, due on receipt. Uh, but no, I, I've been I've been keeping up with it, and it's one of those things that like being in like a, a Catholic creative. Our our friends are launching things all the time, 
And a lot of times it's like, it's like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's what everyone else is doing. Good luck. Yeah. You know, like you're the <laughs> one millionth podcast or the, you're the 80 billionth YouTube channel or whatever. And it's like, I've tried, you know, like I, I'm not singling other people out too. Like I've fit that vein as well. Um, it's like, I, I just, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, I see what people are doing. And I just want to do it better. But this yeah. project, like I haven't seen anybody doing it right like i'm sure oh, there's you. some 87 year old uh you know catechist that has a youtube channel that his grandson puts up where he reads the catechism or something but yeah. like watching y'all's videos it makes me excited about the catechism in a way that i honestly really haven't ever been like i've always been a scripture guy and mm -hmm. like even like i've read through the whole bible but the first few times i did the mistake that everybody does i'm gonna start in genesis and then i get to numbers and I'm like this is boring and then you stop right well <laughs> yeah. Like everybody's had that with the Bible, I I did that with the Catechism when I was yeah. in grad school. I was and and then and then my first year as a as a youth minister, I tried it twice. Where I'm like, I'm going to read through the Catechism, and the first time I think I did, I got through like you know paragraph three hundred, and the second time I got through like paragraph four and just stopped. <laughs> like just, I mean, there's all this this dense you know theological knowledge of the faith in the Catechism, and I just I've been working in the church for over a decade, and I've just never gotten past like an hour of it because it's it's tough. It's, 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 it's tough. So um, I'm yeah. really excited that y'all are doing this, and it's already made it more accessible for uh, for me. Oh, thank you. I mean, the, we've taken some influence from a lot of different places. And one of the things is there's a project called the Bible Project. And um, it's these, I think one guy is a Protestant pastor and another guy is like an animator. And they just started doing these explanation videos about the Bible. And they're animated and really engaging. And it's two people talking back and forth. And uh, Edmundo has this story where he was watching one of these videos and his young kids kind of gathered around his phone and were watching it and said, wow, this is really great. Let's watch another one. And they watched another one. And then they watched another one. And at the end of it, um, some of his kids said, man, I learned more in these videos than I've learned in all of Sunday school. And it was something about the format, the animation, this like engaging style that really resonated with them. Um, so we we took some of that inspiration to the catechism. And, and like you say, you know, the catechism is not very, it's not, obviously accessible like who would you say the catechism is for based on your experience of the catechism like who do you feel like the catechism is for uh i think it's primarily for scholars i, th I think that <laughs> the catechism is primarily for scholars the secondary audience and the only time that i've ever used it is as a reference book so yeah. for like youth ministers giving a talk or whatever there's the glossary and uh, appendix or whatever uh you're like oh i'm giving a talk on transubstantiation what does the catechism yeah. say on that yeah. Or, you know, for like, young, I work with young people and young people always go and they, they search for the like, you know, odder things about Catholicism to try to see if those are in there. It's like, oh, we're going to go see what it says about this, you know, yeah. controversial thing, you know. So I think we're like, look, just look up demons and devils. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, what does it say about <laughs> demons or devils? You know, and, and then the youth minister was like, oh, Timmy, there's a picture of you in here. <laughs> like, that's what so ref, reference for the normal person and then like yeah. study for scholars. Yeah, that was my experience too. I mean, I went to Franciscan University and studied catechetics, so we used the catechism a lot, and I studied it. But it, I, it was, I did too, and I did not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, and like, even through that, you know, even then, then, you know, I was kind of viewing it as a resource textbook type thing, and it wasn't until I started diving into the inspiration behind it and what makes it different from the last catechism the Church has made, which is the Catechism of the Council of Trent, that I started appreciating it. And there's a few 
distinct features of it that once you start understanding, then you're like, okay, I don't need to just read through the whole thing. Like this is something I can pray with. This is something that I can flip back and forth and it becomes much richer. Um, so once I started understanding those things, it really came alive a lot more. And, you know, I do a lot of catechist. Tr- I did when I was at the parish, a lot of catechist training or, you know, training for parents or stuff like that. And and when you walk through how to unlock the catechism, then it's like, oh, it's not that intimidating. Like, um, you know, so. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I've seen that you've been like promoting like you've been like one of the products that you sell has been the the catechism for years. Like you've been in on this for a long time. Yeah. And like, you probably sold like two, like nobody was interested in buying the book. Right. <laughs> no, and we th- sold a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure. Four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But now y'all are, y'all are sharing this real and true thing. And just like, you're taking something that has been inaccessible to so many people. It's something that uh, almost every Catholic owns and just never opens. Um, and you're making it accept, uh, accessible with these videos to where like even like I've watched, I think uh, like of the primary videos, I've watched like two or three of the four. Right. Like, yeah. Um, and I've watched all your social media stuff and like it's engaging me, I think, because of the art style, like you were saying, it's funny that you found that inspiration from I, I've seen a lot of that Bible Project stuff oh, because nice. Protestants are way better at tech and creative stuff oh, yeah. than we are. Oh, for sure. So it's so funny taking like. Oh, like inspiration from Protestants for the catechism of the Catholic Church. Like it doesn't get much more Catholic than that. Um, so I think just combining those two things um, has been really cool for me already. And like, you know, you you said you sold some catechisms, but like I, I've i seen the numbers on some of the videos that you guys have been doing. Like hundreds of thousands of people are engaging with this stuff. Yeah. So I think y'all have really struck a chord with people. Yeah, and I, I hope that these videos... You know, some of them, for instance, every unit has a proclamation video, uh, explanation video, and a connection video. The proclamation video just kind of sets up the topic, but it doesn't talk about the catechism explicitly. The first one's just about why are humans interested in maps? And it tries to just drum up this spiritual curiosity or this wonder about the world. In I was order. real confused how you were going to connect that to the catechism. So I was like, okay, yeah. I'll watch, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like, I think, I hope that people who maybe aren't even that engaged in their faith come across some of these videos and then are slowly understanding that it's connected to this text. And so that that becomes interesting, or at least they're curious about like, well, does someone have a catechism? Like, is it, this comes out of this book. Like this is such a dynamic, interesting multimedia thing. Like, and it comes from this one book. Uh, Maybe I should like look into that book, you know? And so we were very intentional about that. Like you said, you know, there might have been some resources where someone literally just took the text and animated over the text. We wanted the process or the, the, the way we lay it out to draw people deeper into the heart of it, which is Jesus. And to show that like, you know, it's kind of like um, the method is, instruction just as much as the content like the way that you present something is just as much of a teaching as the actual content that you that you present um so we wanted to do that we wanted to show like that every page of the catechism is about jesus and a lot of people have been presented the faith like a lot of individual pearls you know it's like okay i have this one pearl that's like papal infallibility i have this other pearl it's the church's teaching on celibacy priestly celibacy and I just, at the end of my Catholic education or catechesis, I just have this big bag of pearls that don't seem all connected. But <laughs> the, a true presentation of the faith 
puts Jesus at the center and everything's just spokes that kind of directly connect and relate back to Jesus. And you can show how every single teaching, purgatory, the most obscure, you know, teaching of the church all points back to Jesus, our relationship to him and salvation. So we're hoping to do that with the catechism in a way that people go, oh, okay. Like I've never heard it presented that way. And is that really what this catechism does? Um, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking you were saying pearls. Like every time I think of pearls, I think of a pearl necklace, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like Jesus is the is the string or the silver or the gold or whatever that strings okay. all the pearls together. But like how weird would it be to like walk up to a party and be like, it's holding in your hand, like I have forty eight pearls, you know, like like okay, like that's weird, you He's know, like, like do you want sure. do you want a pearl? It's like, no, yeah. I have forty eight pearls around my necklace because they're all connected. Yeah. There, so there's little things like that, features of the catechism that were intentionally put into this catechism given a modern audience. So the catechism or the Second Vatican Council, like the primary aim of that um, was how do we guard and present better the deposit of faith to modern man and modern man. We can't take for granted that he even trusts or believes in God, that he has any, that he has any context for a life of faith. So how would we present the faith uh, without being able to take that for granted? Whereas the previous catechism, the catechism of council of Trent in the 1500s, I mean, a lot of people had some context of faith. It was part of their life or culture or their family, at least to a certain degree. And so with this new catechism, which is, you know, older, it's 30 something years old. Um, it's like, how do we present that faith in a way that is constantly bringing back to the kerygma? And so there's some of these little, you know, quirks about it that once you start understanding, you're like, oh man, that's kind of cool. You know, uh, I'll yeah. give you another example. Another quirk of it is the cross-referencing of it. So that's what I, four- I, that's what I hate about it. On If we're being honest, I'm like, can I just read something straight and not have to go to 80, 88 pages away? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to read it. I mean, one is just straight through another one is topical, like you're saying, but another really fun way is to take one paragraph, like, let's say, you know, just one paragraph on the Eucharist and then see the other parts of the catechism that the Eucharist, um, talks about. So for instance, um, here's a good, well, here's a better example. Um, Mary's, uh, immaculate or yeah, Mary's immaculate conception, right? She was conceived without sin. And so you read that, you're like, oh, that's a doctrine. That's just like a random thing. But then when you read the cross references, so there's four parts of the catechism and roughly their creed about everything we believe in the creed sacraments. How do we celebrate what we believe morality? How do we live out this life in Christ? And then Christian prayer. How do we, how do we pray? Everything's about prayer. So there's these four sections, but when you just, you know, I'm sure a lot of people, when you're in Sunday school or something, and someone says, Mary was conceived without sin. And you just go, okay, great. Like, just check. I know that now. Immaculate conception. But the catechism cross-references and shows you how it's all connected. So one thing that really impacted me was reading about the Immaculate Conception and then cross-referencing to another part of the catechism where it talks about when we fast before Mass, we're able to imitate the preparation that Mary underwent before she received Jesus. Yeah. Mary and I are the same. Uh, Not, (laughs) not, not eating for an hour. makes me just like our our beloved mother. (laughs) Exactly. She was into that keto friendly diet (laughs) fasting, but that was really cool for me because before I was just like, Oh, the immaculate conception It's the thing I need to intellectually assent to. But then now the catechism is showing me like, there's a way you can work this into your, into your life that like, 
you know, before it's just like, oh, there's a rule that I can't eat before mass. And then now it's like, wow, this is a Marian thing that I can do with Mary to, to prepare my soul and my body to receive Jesus. And, and like, it just changed. I'd never heard anyone say that before. And it made me approach that intellectual doctrine, but also this practice very differently. And that's really cool in the catechism to see it kind of jumping around to how does this impact prayer or the sacraments or 10 commandments of morality or what we believe. That's really cool. Well, the good news is, is, is me and the listeners don't have to do all those connections because we can just hear them on realtrue.org. The videos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, for those of, for those, for people that want to check it out, like, uh, you're realtrue.org. You've got the videos, you've got your social media stuff. Um, what, like, what's the easiest way for them to get connected to this? And then what can they expect? Like you said at the beginning, like, oh yeah, we've done like our first, our first uh, series or whatever. What, yeah. what's, what's, what, what can people expect and where do they find it? Yeah. So we took all four parts of the catechism and div- we said each part, we're going to make 12 units and each unit has four videos. So the idea originally was it roughly have like a month of content every week, a new piece of content comes out with production and stuff. I don't know if we're going to hit that exactly, but you can expect that a new unit will come out pretty regularly. And if you go to the website, realtrue.org, you can see all the pieces of content just kind of laid out in a way that makes sense. So you can follow along. And then it will also tell you the section of the catechism that those four videos all focus in on. So it's cool. I mean, we see this as a supplemental resource. It's not like a curriculum, but it would be cool. You could accompany other people or your children or a friend and just kind of have conversation starters um, that you can pick and choose from and supplement with the catechism in a, in a really interesting way. So you can go to realtrue.org uh, and please share the videos. We're just trying to get it to as many people as possible. You know, this is free to the world. And the more you share it, the more it's like, wow, this is a valuable project that should keep going. Cool. Well, I'm excited about it. I've already subscribed in all the places uh, and you guys should too. Edmund, thanks for stopping by and spending some time with me today. Yeah, thanks for being here. All right, guys, I will be right back and we'll bring back the good father. Don't go anywhere. Good. Catholics are often accused of not knowing the Bible or reading it regularly. Guilty. While that might be true for some, the Bible is at the core of everything Catholics believe and plays a central role in the prayer life of the church. But understanding what God is communicating through his word can sometimes be difficult. Yet, this can be overcome. We will overcome. You, uh, If you do not know where to begin or how to get started, Ave Explores, the Bible series can help. This is a podcast from my friends over at Ave Maria Press and Katie McGrady. Uh, the podcast guests share tips, strategies, and wisdom to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus through his word. Check out the next series uh, in the Ave Explores podcast, The Bible, which just launched. Uh, where Katie and a variety of Bible experts explore the basics of the Bible, why it matters, how to pray with it, how to incorporate it into family life, and other surprising things about your Bible. You don't have to take a class to fall in love with the Bible. Just join Avi Explores Podcast and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss anything new. Uh, you can also sign up for all the free stuff that uh, at AveMariaPress.com. I, I love when they spell it out for me. It literally says... D-O-T space C-O-M. AveMariaPress.com or by following Ave Maria Press on social media. Ave explores everyday faith for everyday people. Welcome back to Forte Catholic and welcome back to Father Anthony Sharapa. Um, I have something else, some some uh, more observation stuff that okay. didn't make me as angry as the beginning. All right. But it was more like a 
come on, guys. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? What are we doing? There's a lot of that in the church. Like, come on. Uh, like, to the point, it was so ridiculous, I couldn't be angry about it because it was just, just silly. So, this all started, uh, I was uh, speaking at an event, and there was, uh, like, I, it was like, it was kind of like an XLT thing. You know, it's pretty typical, welcome, music, speaker, that was me in this scenario. I was the one doing the talking, not the singing. And then during... Uh, and then there's adoration for, you know, 45 minutes or whatever with some silence, some singing, uh, yeah, you know, good stuff. And yeah, it, it's XLT. Like everybody's really used to that from like live gene stuff and all this stuff. But mm-hmm. um, it was for the whole parish. It was really cool. Um, so I go do my talk and then I, I go back and I sit like in a chair kind of all by, you know, kind of off of the side about halfway through the church. And. So I could kind of like see what's going on, see how people are reacting, and all, and you know, like pray for pray for certain people and pray for my own stuff, and then you know, not be a distraction because I move a lot, you know. So like I kind of put myself at the back. Yeah, yeah. And I, I tell you what, I saw some stuff. That, <laughs> <laughs> I saw some stuff. I went through, I went through some things. Um, so you've seen, you've seen like uh, popular piety devotions. From sure. people like stuff that's not required, mm-hmm. but you know, some people do it. So one example of this that I have seen, like growing up, I'll come back to the church scenario. I promise. Uh, wh- when I was growing up, we had this little chapel in my in my home parish. Like I, I can't tell you how many uh, countless hours I spent there uh, in in high school uh, and like when I was a youth minister. Like I, uh, like we had a family hour every every week. Like we we spent a lot of time in this little chapel, and it's. 12 chairs and maybe like the length of like this office which everyone knows is notoriously small yeah. <laughs> like it's not a big place and that's where i first saw the devotion of like i'm not gonna turn my back on jesus when i when i'm when i'm leaving right oh okay yeah, so yeah. like you know me like i'll i'll be respectful and like genuflect but then i'll like turn around and walk like a human being and yeah, yeah. D- dip my hand in the holy water and like bounce, right? Sure. But there are some there there are obviously people holier and more pious than me, and it's this tradition where like if you get up out of your chair and you're facing Jesus forward, like in the Eucharist, you walk backwards, right? Which okay, that's fine unless there's kids running around and people kneeling. That's all another thing. I'm not gonna get angry. I promise. Yeah, um, <laughs> but people walking backwards and then like they, they leave the door and they close the door i don't know how they decide when they turn around because jesus is still there but it's a see-through door whatever but they they, they go outside and they, they close the door they're walking yeah. backwards you no i this. do something similar uh, as a devotion that I, I started doing uh, except i moonwalk backwards and then give jesus the finger guns <laughs> before <laughs> i leave <laughs> <laughs> jesus <laughs> it's jesus stop asking me who. <laughs> um so like I'm like it's not like I think a lot a lot of people will say like that devotion comes from like the king like like back sure. in like the the middle the middle ages you would never turn your back on the king it was seen as disrespectful and you could like lose your life right so I guess you know like people are being respectful and I I'm, I'm totally down for that everybody has their own personal piety and devotions where you want to be respectful um, we we've talked before like you can't force those things on other people but that's not the, that's not the point of today the point of today is there's got what I what I saw in this event. We're now we're back in this event where Taylor's sitting uh, sitting and kneeling in the back. Um, there's got to be a balance between your personal piety and literally ruining the, everything for everyone else in the church. Okay, um, if your personal piety it becomes a distraction to everyone else in the church, 
you, you need to be respectful of the the people of God too, right? Um, here's what happened: <laughs> a large, lovely Catholic family, all eight of them. I don't know how many there are. Yeah. It was dark, <laughs> but they're in like the fourth row, and this is a this is a new parish that like they're building like their big main church, but because it's a new parish. Like, their church and their hall are kind of one place, right? Like a trad's nightmare, but leave us alone. It's the only thing that they have, right? But, I mean, it seats 1,500 people. I mean, there's a ton of chairs, right? They're in the fourth row. You know how big that building is to fit 1,500 people straight back? Pretty big. They got out, and the entire family walked backwards for four and a half (laughs) minutes. Four and a half minutes in the middle of adoration, we're trying to focus, we're trying to sing, we're trying to pray, and I tell all I can do is stare at these people. Like, oh my gosh, turn it's like around! A reverse conga line. Like, it was it's unbelievable. Like it was an incredible athletic feat. One of the people was fifty years old. I don't know how they walked backwards for a quarter of a mile, but like I just like. It was so distracting. So, like, for me, it's like there's got to be a balance between your personal piety and, guys, what are, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Yeah. No, it's good. I remember um, I, you know, would go to daily mass over the summer as a seminarian, and I like to, you know, pray a little bit after mass. But there, there was one mass I couldn't do that. I stopped going to this mass because this guy, very faithful, God bless him, at the end of mass— as soon as the priest left, he would say, let us pray the rosary in the name of the Father, and do the whole thing. And once you say out loud to the church, let us pray the rosary, this is now a hostage situation. <laughs> yeah. I, I, no, I have zero problem, Father Anthony, getting up and walking out rather loudly. <laughs> right. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I Everyone knows I'm the seminarian. This guy wants to pray the rosary, and now I'm ready to leave. I'm like, what do I do? Uh, like, I just want to do my own little prayers. I've prayed five I, already today. I've got to go. Right, the right. Or if, or if I'm not praying the rosary, do I think that my prayers are better than the rosary? Uh, it, it was. I hated it. I, could, I stopped going to that mass because it just took the whole church hostage in that moment. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I've got some more, some more examples. We'll see if you have some too. You feel free to feel free to interrupt me and put one in here. Um, uh, the loud, my Lord and my God guy. So at mass, whenever, whenever, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, you're doing your priest thing and you're holding up the, the Jesus in the bread and then the, and then the, the, the blood here in a second, but and then my Lord and my God. It's like, like you could like the rest of your prayers during this mass have been in your head. Like, you yeah. know, you know, it still works. Like yeah. you, 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 you can be quiet. It's fine. Yeah. Um, that's, that comes from a, an indulgence that was given that you would say that three times quietly to yourself, but yeah, doing it loudly is uh, a little much. One thing that bothers me when people come up to receive the Eucharist, you're supposed to say, amen. Like, that's a part of the liturgy. In the big book of words that we say, it says amen. You know what it doesn't say? Thank you, Father. You know what it doesn't say? (laughs) I believe. I know someone told you that amen means I believe, and that's very cute. I don't care because your words are amen. (laughs) Say amen. (laughs) Don't say anything else. You know what I'm going to start doing? What? I always say amen, but if the priest 
doesn't say the words like he's supposed to say the words and the rest of yeah. us, that's going to be my mini revolution. <laughs> that's how you I'm get gonna, back I'm at I'm him. I'm going to say, I believe. Thank you, Father. You're precious. And walk away. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, I love that. Uh, the last one that I have is uh, loud Latin response guy at the English mass. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I know, like we all know that you think you're better than us and we all think you're a jerk. Um, yes. Like I, we, I, I have stated my my thoughts on the Latin Mass multiple times in this show. It's not really for me, but I one of my favorite parts about being Catholic is there's so many different ways to pray for for all the different people. I, I, like I, I, I'm sad for the people that don't have their Latin Mass anymore because it got canceled in the last month or two. Like yeah. I, I, I'm with you, but when you come to the English Mass, like don't be don't be a prideful jerk because you think <laughs> this Mass is stupid. Like you're you're wrong. Uh, and, 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 and you're showing us how wrong you are. Yeah. And the other thing is there's, I forget exactly what point of it at the mass. Um, but the people say something in respond and they all stand up and it's a bit of a mess. Now, technically you're supposed to wait until the priest finishes his words and then you stand up, but does that matter? No, just stand up when everyone else stands up, you sitting down thinking that you're holier than everyone else. Cause you're following the rubrics to a T that bothered. I mean, and I will say. I used to do that as a seminarian. I was that guy. I was like, I'm no, I'll not, not stand until I'm supposed to stand. You, you've it's told like, no, me multiple times there. I wouldn't have liked you in high school or seminary. And oh, yeah, no, we were not be friends. Every story you share, I'm like, you're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? That's why Lord and his providence had this uh, meet over video games. It worked much better this way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, so, yeah, just just go with the flow. Don't don't cause a scene, you silly goose. Okay. So now, now we get to you know because you're a priest, uh, uh, you know, higher than religious life. Since you're a yeah. priest, uh, <laughs> how would you counsel somebody? This is happening. Anything like this is happening. There's the backwards walking. There's the the Latin mass response in English. There, what whatever. A any kind of personal devotion, which can be a good thing. Which yes, uh, absolutely. Um, but how do you balance with like you're distracting the rest? Of, like, what would you say as as a uh, you know, walk if it's been happening for three months. Like, what do you walk up and say to him? How do you approach this balance between piety and being a human being? Yeah, <laughs> you know, pastorally, the first thing I would do is ask them about it when they started doing it, what it means to them, show them that I'm really listening, um, and then I would kind of gently say that uh, while that's good, I totally understand why you're doing that. It's because your great love for the Lord. It is distracting for other people, so I would invite you to sacrifice this small act of piety as a mortification and as love for your brothers and sisters. And if you make that small sacrifice, that will be just as pleasing, if not more pleasing to the Lord, that you are caring for the people around you. And that would only, I would only do that if they were doing something really distracting. You know, for little stuff, you just kind of roll your eyes and let it happen because you don't want to, like, you know, mess with people's piety because that's really important to them. But if it was really distracting, I would gently offer, like, hey, you have an opportunity to do something really holy here, and that's make a small sacrifice for those around you, and the Lord will bless you for that. Well, as much as I wouldn't have liked you in seminary, I think you're a pretty good priest. You turned out okay. Thanks, friend. I was like, that was really good. I'm kind of surprised, and that's mean. I know it's mean to say that I was a little surprised, but it was very, very good. You're very pastoral, and I'm proud of you. Yeah, I'm just kind of a jerk to you on uh, when we play video games, but like in real life, I'm a pretty good priest. <laughs> it's funny, Liv and I just had that conversation the other day. Like, uh, there are a lot of Liv's fans that hate me because I'm mean to her, <laughs> yeah. and, and then like the, she has to tell them like he's like the nicest person to me 
behind <laughs> like off camera right yeah uh, so it's it's very funny so um that's my motto in life be saintly but hide it from everyone <laughs> <laughs> i heard the parable you know don't go into the temple and praise yourself go, go into a room by yourself and be nice to people that's what i heard. good I'm conflating all of the parables and stories to make my life make sense. <laughs> Sounds very Forte Catholic. <laughs> very much so. All right. Well, that's it for us, Father Anthony. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Well, uh, I will be back next week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you did, share it with a friend, especially one of those friends that does one of the things that we talked about in this segment. Let them be really angry with me, but also hear some pastoral advice from a good priest. I'll be back next week. Say it. We did it. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. Are you not turning your back on me? Yeah. (laughs) That's what what that joke was. (laughs) I was scooting back. Good show. Yeah. That was nice. Thank you guys so much for watching or listening to today's show. I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, We had some fun today. Uh, I think it's just a good episode for your week. If you enjoyed it, uh, again, if you haven't subscribed yet, what are you doing? Hit subscribe on YouTube or on whatever podcast app you are listening on right now. If you're on YouTube, leave us a comment. What do you think of the episode? That stuff always helps and helps us know where you want the show to go in the next few weeks. Um, exciting news. We just hit 40,000 views on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Catholic. And, uh, you know, like we said a couple months ago, we are over 150,000 downloads on the podcast. And that's all because of you guys. If you want to continue to help us grow, and if you like this, uh, other people will probably like it too. Share it with them. Share it on your social media. Like, whether you're watching on YouTube, there's that little share feature. If you're watching and uh, or you're listening on your podcast, there's a share feature there too. Share it to social media. Share it with your friends. That would really really help us out um, if you really love what we're doing and you want to do more than than sharing with your friends and doing a click of a button uh, we need your financial support uh, we are a nonprofit organization that we rely on you guys to keep uh, to keep the ministry going and to feed our family and to make all of life continue to go around you can uh, we are a nonprofit so it's all tax deductible you can do that at forte catholic.com slash donate thank you guys so much in advance Uh, For all that you guys do for your support, you guys mean the world to me. I'll see you next week. Peace.